You enter a storage room and look around. There's crates lining the back wall, and to your right are shelves stocked with various goods. All right. Is there, like, a list of items somewhere that I can look at and tell me what I can get? Uh, n- no. What do you mean? Like, there's there's not a list of, like, stuff in the room. <sighs> well, okay. What if I need to look at my character sheet? How do I do that? It's it's on the table in front of you. We just went through this. It's that piece of paper we just wrote on. Oh, well, that's quaint. Um, how do I move my character? Uh, for the last time, this okay. This isn't an RPG video game. This is a tabletop role playing game. It's not the same thing. Oh, oh okay, okay, okay. I, I got, I got it. I got it. So. Does anybody in this room have a quest bubble above their head? This time on Becoming DM, we're talking about running games for our first-time players. Hey everyone, this is John. And this is Danielle. And we have talked in the past about finding players for your game and talked a little bit about a little bit about new players there. Um, that episode was episode 29. You can find that at becomingdm.com slash EP29. This episode, we're doing something a little different. Um, if you happen to find somebody that has never played a tabletop role-playing game before, they may need a little bit more guidance than, your, than the rest of your players. Right, Danielle? Yeah, like questions like, how do I move my character? Well, you just <laughs> have to tell me where you want to go. Um, but a lot of times you get people who are like, oh, no, I, I totally get role-playing games. Um, but they're strictly talking about video games, and, and they don't they don't quite get that there's like this transition between the two. Yeah, and I, I have actually played in games where um, there have been people that really equated it to like your ro- World of Warcraft game where they thought that the roles were going to parse out exactly like were there. And so they were looking for the healer and the tank and all this stuff. And so it was, it was a, 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 a thing where you had to say, hold on, take a beat. This is not exactly like that. We need to we need to temper your expectations. And so with this episode, that's kind of what we're what we're doing is is talking about how to take those new players, whether they have that experience in a in a video game RPG or whether they have no experience, and talking about how you bring those people into the fold. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe let's get started off. I think the first thing that maybe you have to do is really explain to them what a tabletop RPG is and and to that also what the game system that you're playing is because there are a number of game systems out there whether you're playing a, a D&D or Pathfinder which I think that initial talk can be very similar or you're playing something totally different like a, uh, a Mech Warrior or a Starfinder or something like that. So being able to explain that to them, I think, is the starting point, right? It definitely is, especially, I, I mean, there's there's new stuff that's coming out, like uh, Stranger Things. Uh, they play D&D on that. But you you just kind of like see these kids sitting around this board and they're, and they're doing this thing, but it doesn't really get into 
what the game is. Yeah, People they like slam down a mini and say, Dim it, Gorgon. And it's like, <laughs> oh, and, and, and it's not exactly what it's like, right? <laughs> it, not really. No. <laughs> But uh, it it can be a little bit difficult to for people to really understand exactly what it is that that you might be asking them to get into, or maybe what they're approaching you because they're like, "Hey, I saw this thing on Stranger Things, and that that looked interesting, and I want to do that, and I've heard you talk about it." It's like, yeah, but do you really actually know what it is? And uh, some people just really, really don't. And there's some really fun ways to kind of. Uh, I mean, explaining what a tabletop role-playing game is. I usually try to, um, when I'm talking with somebody, I kind of have a good idea about their general interests in life. And Mm -hmm. uh, I'll try to play off of one of those if I can find some sort of connection. Um, Like there's those choose-your-own-adventure novels that that used to be a big thing when I was a while ago. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's us carefully avoiding saying that we're old. (laughs) When I was a while ago, there were these, <laughs> these books, and there was these choose your own adventure, and you'd get to the end of like a couple pages, and it would give you two options. You pick one, you change the page, and so I'll use ex- explanations like that if if that seems like something that they might be interested in or even know about, and I'd be like, it's like that, but instead of having two options at the end of a page, uh, you've got um, an infinite number of options, and you also wrote the characters, and you know you're you get to do all this stuff. Yeah, and the thing to keep in mind is if they come to you with a background, say, that they that they have come to realization of this game through Stranger Things, or maybe they watched uh, Lord of the Rings and, and, and thought it was cool, and hey, maybe, maybe, maybe Danielle that plays D&D, maybe this is kind of what she's doing there, or maybe they are playing some sort of video games, it's okay to use that as a basis, but you do have to you do have to temper that somewhat because if if they come in expecting exactly those things, they're gonna be disappointed um, mm-hmm. potentially because there's a lot of things that 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 don't operate the same way. You're not gonna have exactly the same sort of uh, character types as in Lord of the Rings. Yes, there are some things that map and you could make the justification that that this person is a ranger and this person is a rogue and stuff like that, but it's not a clear-cut point-to-point thing. Um, Likewise, in 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 video games you often have like the concept of of mana for your spellcasters where um you can talk about spell slots and how that's sort of like mana, but not quite because <laughs> because these things require different types of spell slots and stuff like that. So it is important to, to kind of keep those things in mind when you're explaining, especially if they're coming from the point of, hey, I I saw this, I I participated in this, I thought it was cool, and because of that, I think that D&D might be something for me, Right. Mm-hmm. It can definitely land out that way. Um, I, for I've talked to people who like the the role playing games with the video games, mm-hmm. and uh, I've had a lot of success with 
ask, this is how I explain it to people. Have you ever been playing one of your games and you think to yourself, boy, it would sure be cool if I could jump on that table and then jump on that guy to hit him with a sword, but you can't because it wasn't like mapped into the video game. Mm -hmm. Um, I usually use that as like a jumping off point. Well, in D&D, you can do all of that stuff if you want to. But I did actually have that backfire on me once where... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I I told them I was like it's like it's like a video game but you can do whatever you want and uh and then they showed up and they're like well where's the video game I said well no it's it's like a video game they're like well I came here to like watch something they actually had no intentions wow. of playing yeah they wanted to watch a video game like I I didn't really understand where they were coming from and they didn't understand where I was coming from and uh, it didn't turn out to be a overly positive interaction because everybody was just didn't get what they wanted. <laughs> wow. Um, well, and, and likewise, I mean, we've, we've talked about Stranger Things. If, you, if you've watched some of the episodes of Stranger Things, you know, obviously, because it's a TV show not about Dungeons and Dragons, that they don't get into rules and stuff like that. It's, it's a bunch of kids that are huddled around a table with these minis, and they roll some dice and they cheer. Um, it doesn't get into the into the the nitty gritty of of this is why they're cheering because they had to roll this and that's because they had these bonuses and stuff like that. So it, it is important to to uh, temper those expectations with yeah, there's math involved here. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, but but really, just to, to be like, yeah, I mean, Stranger Things was cool. And and there's there's definitely cool things that that are about the game that that get pulled into here. But the things you need to understand is you have to use your imagination. It's not just somebody slamming something down on the table and everybody cheering. You do have to use your imagination. <laughs> there are some rules that govern how the world works. Things like that. It's really just a matter of setting those expectations. Um, yeah, I, I think we've probably beaten that horse to death a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> So moving on, the other thing that I, I, I do like to have a discussion about um, in the beginning is dice. And we've talked about dice and new players in a previous episode. It may have been that same episode that we were talking about earlier, uh, episode 29. But you, it, it, somebody coming new to the game, fresh to the game, and you say, hey, I need you to roll a D6. They're going to look at you like you're from some foreign country, even though a D6 is probably what they've used for most of the board games that they've ever ever played. <laughs> uh, they went to the craps table, whatever. Uh, and and that's before you even get to any of the other weird shaped dice that, that they're going to use. <laughs> so having uh, color coding them, I think, is a is a great way to get them acclimated. So you can say, hey, roll the D20. That's the red one, as opposed to just rolling rolling the D20. And that way they hear what the name of it is, but they also have an identifier other than that that helps them get acclimated to what those dice are. Is there anything else that you've seen that helps people get used to the dice, Danielle? Honestly, I've this is the first time I've ever heard about doing the color-coded with the dice, and I'm going to immediately switch to that. Because <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> that sounds great, because I've noticed that a lot of times, usually people come with their own die for their first game. Um, it's it's like this this thing. I don't know why. Everybody, they're like, oh, I'm playing D&D, and they go and buy themselves a set of dice. But then, yeah, you say roll a d20, and they 
every time it takes, you know, 15 to 30 seconds where they're like, which one is... No, not that one. Not that one. Not that one. Hold on. Hold on. That one. (laughs) And not only does that kind of hold up the game, which I'm not complaining about, but I've I've often noticed um, I get a sense from those players that they know that everybody's sitting there waiting for them to figure out mm-hmm. which one the D20 is, right? And so using that color-coded, I, I, I really like that. Well, and if you are if you are have a mixed group of experienced and non-experienced players, the experienced players can get frustrated because they've been doing this for so long. It's like, <laughs> don't you know what a D20 is? Uh, <laughs> if you have some less patient players, as I've seen in some games. <laughs> oh, yeah. That can definitely happen. Yep. So let's maybe talk a little bit about uh, character creation. And I'd like for you to just kick this off. Anything that we should consider when we have a new player when it comes to character creation, Daniel? There's so much to consider. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you're when I don't I, how many of us can actually remember the very first time that we played D and D? Can you remember the first time? Um, actually, yes, and it was ridiculous. I played this gnome fighter who, at level one or two, decapitated a dragon with an axe that he <laughs> tied to a chain. Yeah, we <laughs> were young and didn't have any sense of reality in the game rules. <laughs> so my story is pretty similar to that i was young i had no we had no sense of the actual full rules of the game we all decided on what would be a cool thing to have we did that cool thing the cool things did other cool things fun happened yep and and that is something that i think is really important to remember when you're bringing a new player to D&D is that they don't have 5, 10, 15, 20 years of experience in playing D&D or even maybe hearing anybody talk about D&D, they have none of that. And so you need to get them into a character and and you need to do it in a way that's fun. Pay, in my opinion, pay less attention to all of the rules mm-hmm. that can bog everything down and just make sure to focus on the fun bits. Um, but more to that is when you're it would be handy if you're like fully building out like a character sheet because sometimes some people really want to have their paperwork in order um it's it can be really handy to have a dedicated session just to character creation especially if you have more than one new player in a new campaign yep yeah having having that session really allows you as the dm to help guide that process and it it is important to guide that process because not only are there things that players can do as part of the character creation process that can make that character very difficult to play in the long term, but there's also things choices that they can make that can can be make it harder for them to learn the game as well, right? Mm-hmm. And just a uh, warning to <laughs> the 5e DMs out there. Uh, D&D Beyond has a character creation tool to make your 5e characters. And so when you have a brand new player and you just send them to that site to make their characters, um, you still want to guide them through that process. Because mm-hmm. uh, I know a DM who just let everybody loose on the website, but that website didn't at the time, this was like a year and two years ago, didn't track their spending from their starting gold. 
And so all these players, they were just adding whatever they thought was cool to their inventory list. And we had all these level one players starting with over 20,000 gold pieces worth of goods. I come from a wealthy family. (laughs) All of them. (laughs) Be honest, was that DMU? (laughs) It it wasn't me, but I I took over that campaign. And it was was a deal. (laughs) (laughs) So the, the other reason, I think, to have a dedicated session is if you do have experienced player in the game, you can get them involved with helping because... Uh, especially if you have more than one new player, having those experienced players come in to, to distribute the load and help out and also to provide guidance. And and the player may listen to the other players more than they will the DM because uh, there, there may be in their mind that this needs to be a DM versus player type of game, no matter how much you set up the, the fact that it's not. Um, so having, mm-hmm. having those experienced players help them um, can also really help. Yeah, and they might hear the questions from the new player in a way that you didn't, mm-hmm. or possibly even be able to explain something in a way that you can't that makes it easier for the new players to get into it. Not to mention that you're you're already starting to build camaraderie if these people don't already know each other. So yep. it's a good way to like get to know each other before there's the pressure of an actual game going on. Well, and, and also to that, depending upon the game that you're running the players may have played as a player a lot more than you. Uh, I know that mm-hmm. if I, when I run Pathfinder, I have, I have actually never played a Pathfinder game as a player. So, <laughs> so when it comes to making choices for how to build your character, I am probably the last person that you want to take advice from at the table. <laughs> there are several people at my table that you would definitely want to take advice from before me. <laughs> No, that's fair. I uh, when you said that, it, it made me realize I've never actually played Five E. I've only DM'd it. Yep. And so, and I I don't know about other people. I don't actually follow the rules when I'm building my NPCs. <laughs> I'm not gonna put all that time in. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> when you're having your 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 uh, character creation session, you know, you get everybody together. Um, It also provides you the ability to explain how certain decisions will impact um, other aspects of the character before they go too far into the process. So with uh, certain characters, I'm trying to, I know the 3.5 equivalent is level adjustment. I'm not sure if it's in 5e, but I had somebody recently who they were like, well, I want to play a Jin or whatever, but that's a plus five level adjustment, which means that starting at level seven, they're actually a level two. And so mm-hmm. it's important to kind of get ahead of that one and be like, hey, you can definitely do that, but that is going to directly impact everything. Yeah, but and and even going simpler, just just the simple, hey, I want to be a sorcerer. Um, well, you probably don't want to tank your charisma like you have there on, on, the, on yeah. the sheet. You may not <laughs> think that that's an important, important, important stat for what you want to do, but it is super important. <laughs> Yeah, they definitely it's it's really important to provide a little bit of guidance, at least a little bit of guidance, probably a lot of guidance when people are making their very first character. Um but you can recommend classes that may be better for the first time. So say that they're making they've decided that they want to tank their charisma. Um and they're like, Well, I'm gonna be a warlock, I think you said. Uh, it's like, well, if you don't really want to have that high of charisma, maybe you want to be a martial class, like a barbarian. You know, you just 
yell at people and throw around a big sword. Well, and, and even beyond that, sometimes you may, for brand new players to the game, you might want to rec- uh, recommend a, a martial class regardless of what that charisma looks like, uh, for, for instance, mm. just because you're not having to keep track of a spell list and how many spells per day and stuff like that. Um, I know that it can be a little bit daunting to do that. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't do that, but but if, if, they're, if they're wide open to what they want to play, that's an easy entree into the game. Playing a fighter, playing a barbarian, even playing a rogue, uh, where you don't have to keep track of those spells, uh, makes it just simpler for running a character, right? Absolutely, especially when it's somebody who's learning all of the rules right now. Mm-hmm. Even with semi-experienced players, keeping track of a of an entire spell list, which ones you're preparing, which ones you've cast, which ones you've, you know, used abilities to sidestep, that kind of stuff, it can it can really build up on a person. And if they're just learning the game and they're trying to figure out which die is the D twenty. Uh, <laughs> You really might not want to have the, you know, here's a 20-page essay on your spells and their effects. Now, you're there's, there's a difference between verbal and somatic. And it's like, oh, boy. Yeah, <laughs> it can I get was, pretty intense. I was thinking about that when you, were, when you were talking, like, okay, we just spent three minutes finding the spell that you want to cast. Now I roll a d20. Which one's that? No! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and do you have any feathers in your bag? Because if you don't, you can't cast this. <laughs> Now, all all of this, keep in mind, though, if somebody is just has their heart set on something, a specific type of character, and that was the thing that brought them to to the game, I would say try and and give them that opportunity. Because if that's what brought them to the game and that's what gets them excited, that's probably also going to be what gets what keeps them playing the game. So. I would say don't dissuade them just because it's a uh, spellcaster class. But if they don't have a particular interest, you can you can steer them the way that that reduces the complexity of their character. Yeah, I would never make it mandatory to not play a caster as your first one, but I I always advise uh, not playing a caster as your first character. Um, but if they really want to play a caster, absolutely have at her. Um, Another thing that you can do, though, is you can use pre-generated characters. So Mm -hmm. say you have somebody who really does want to run a caster, um, but that's like a lot of work and they've got to learn all these rules and stuff like that. Um, You can give them just a pre-generated character for two to three sessions. Some, you know, you can kill them, they can retire, they can fly off on a bird, it doesn't matter. Um, But that'll give them a chance to learn. They can fly (laughs) off on a bird. That's like one of the options. That's one of the options. Okay, just making sure. (laughs) That's that's always an option. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But so it it, kind of would help them to take the pressure off from their own character. Like they don't have to worry about their character dying. Mm -hmm. This character, this thing that they just put a bunch of time into making, building, they've dreamt about it for 10 years. They finally get to play Dungeons and Dragons. And then all of a sudden they don't like the way that they built it, or they wish they'd have taken a different feat or all these, all these options that that can come up. If you just let them use a pre-generated character for the first couple sessions, um, Number one, you can give them a different type of character each session or maybe just just 
just a brutal campaign where like once an hour you're killing a character and they're switching to a different class. I don't recommend that, but I think it'd be funny. Yeah, I, and, would, uh, I would say that if you're going to do something like that, you do need to make sure you give them enough time to actually get a feel for the flavor of the, of the character. Absolutely. An hour may not be enough. <laughs> it really depends on how fast you're playing, but no, probably not. Um, but it'll give them a chance to like try out all these different things. And before they've sunk a bunch of time into this dream character that they've been thinking about for, you know, one week or two years. Yep. Um, then the other kind of option that you have kind of along this similar line is rather than starting them with a character that has glasses, give them a character that doesn't have glasses and based upon the actions that they would like to take during the game, give them the attributes of a, of a class that, that kind of matches that. And that way, rather than choosing, um, choosing a class based with zero experience of what the game is going to play like, they can understand how the game is going to play and, and, and kind of get the class chosen for them based on how they're playing their character. Which is a really fun idea. I really like that idea. Um, but that could also, you'd have to be careful with that one, I think, because it also would kind of depend on what situations you put them in. Because mm-hmm. if, if you're like, oh, I'm going to build your character, however it is that you're playing your thing. Also, you guys are in the middle of a heist, and so be very, very quiet. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, look, you got a rogue. <laughs> it's like, well, they were going to get a rogue, probably, unless in the middle of sneaking, they're just like, rage out or something yeah and and the other thing to keep in mind is that if you do that then don't run the game one way when you're doing this character build out and then completely change it once they have their character (laughs) built out because it's like wait a minute i built my character this way because i thought that was how the game was going (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, i built it it for that yeah and, and this way is i think a lot more work for you as the dm because oh, yeah. of, of those things we just mentioned, but also because you kind of have to keep track of what they're doing and what they want to do and, and saying, okay, is this a rogue? Is this a bard? Is this something else? And, and then kind of amalgamating that into a character at the end. It's, it's difficult. Um, let's just say that. So it, keep yeah, that in mind. It definitely would be another fun one that you can do. And this one I think fits best. If you have, uh, I've, I've had people come to, uh, D&D nights where they're like well no I don't want to play I just want to watch and kind of see what's happening mm-hmm. and then and then combat will come up right and I will offer them to control one of the monsters or the bad guys or something like that and it gives them this little bit of this little piece of the game where they can jump in learn a bit of the rules have some fun um, it doesn't matter if they die and it can be really funny as well which can kind of help bring a little bit of fun to it and it's a really really low commitment way to get somebody to just roll a couple dice and see how it feels well and and along those lines if you have a group that's all new players you can run a one shot like uh, i believe it's called weeby goblins for pathfinder where basically all of the characters are goblins and they they have this goblin storyline and it's really just designed to be a one shot so um Hmm. so kind of similar in that way in that you get to play a quote-unquote monster, but you're also the main center of the storyline. And once it's done, then it's done, and, and you move on and create your, your full-fledged characters. But that, that would be an option as well. 
It sounds adorable too. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing that you can do, and I, I like this one, is uh, especially for somebody who wants to play a caster, like straight out of the gate. Um, this is kind of how I would approach it, unless they were super uh, against it. I would consider using a trimmed character sheet and adding a new ability each session. This, well, especially if you're starting at a higher level. Obviously, if everybody's starting at level one, you probably don't want to do this. Uh, but if you've got a brand new player who really wants to join your game, you guys are running at like level seven or something like that, and uh, it it's the whole character is a bit overwhelming for them. Uh, what you can do is just give them one or two of their abilities um, every single session, right? So you can do all the things that you did last session, but also your character has I don't know some sort of magical helper ability, <laughs> like. I can't think of one, but extra attacks or power attack with with uh, fighters and and things like that. And so you just slowly build out their character for them, and obviously don't just straight up go after that character. In my experience, most of the time for the first few sessions that somebody's playing D and D for the first time, anyways, uh, their biggest action is usually going to be, can I hit them with my weapon? You know, and so it it's not really going to impact if you have a trimmed character sheet, but instead of handing them a sheet with like 40 different abilities, you can say, listen, tonight you can swing a hammer, tomorrow night you can swing a hammer and dodge, right? And just kind of slowly work them into their character. Now, one of the things you can do is if, if you are adding them into an existing campaign that is already higher level, you could have a, a short... And by short, I mean two, maybe three sessions long side quest game where their character starts playing and the rest of your table plays temporary characters that are at a low level. Um, and and this is basically to help them, uh, quote unquote, gain levels, but but really to get experience with their with their character and with what abilities are available to them. And you rapidly advance them through the levels on these on these sessions, so that by the se- by the end of the second or third session, they're the the level of the rest of the party, and they've had at least some experience with their with the capabilities of their character. I like that. It gives your main party like a little bit of a break from the mainline campaign. Yep, it's a fun way to introduce a new character. I dig it. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever finished running a session of your favorite role-playing game and thought to yourself, I'm not really sure I ran that the right way? Or maybe you just tried out something new in your game and it worked really well and you want everybody to know about it. If so, you may have the perfect idea for a future episode of Becoming DM. Point your browser to becomingdm.com ideas and fill out our simple form to tell us all about it. You can even let us know that you'd like to be a a guest co-host for the topic. Submitting your ideas helps John and Danielle relieve pressure on their brains so they can record more episodes. Go to becomingdm.com slash ideas today to submit your episode idea. Now let's get back to the show. So let's maybe talk about teaching the rules because I, I see that as one of the biggest gaps for new players is learning all of the things. And there's a mm-hmm. lot of things that so uh, that things. they could potentially learn. Um, 
And I, I do think that before you get into talking about, oh, you can't do this and this is the restriction for this and stuff like that, you do need to start with with the freedom uh, because as we said before, you can stand on that table. It's not like it's it's not programmed to do that in your video game. You can you can if you can imagine it, you can attempt to do it. And you that's can I, it. I, I think that's the the big part is like we, you also need to temper that with attempt because you can you can <laughs> think up anything and try to do anything that doesn't mean you're going to succeed at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, it's it's a very important thing to to note the attempt. But uh, attempts are also part of what makes it fun and a little bit zany at times. Um, When I'm teaching the rules, uh, so back when I played 3.5, I I had a lot of new players and a lot of new people who wanted to learn the game intermittently. And so I actually designed this little one-shot training campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, I called it Jack's Adventure because I made a, a bogus class because he needed to have all of the abilities. And uh, I stuck him into this dungeon, and this dungeon had, like, so many rooms. Uh, But it was quick, it was fast-paced, it had this really casual storyline. But each room would address a different important thing that somebody kind of needs to know about the rules of D&D, but explaining it in a fun, interactive way. And that would be really easy to do with any other game system, is, is to make one of these tiny little... Uh, dungeons, a training dungeon, and uh, to put a new player through it. And you can do that one-on-one. You can do it with a party, although it might be a little bit more difficult with an entire party. Uh, But a little training one-shot can be super handy when you're teaching someone the rules. Yeah, I I really like this idea. Um, Back a number of years ago, I was was writing code on uh, an online MUD, like as a text-based... text-based kind of video game and and it had the same sort of concept where you started out and you were started out in this area that was really only designed just to train you how to use your character and, and do all the things that were necessary to to play the game so this is sort of the same idea i i love it i think that this is um this is one that could be really helpful to any new players that are out there mm-hmm. it's 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 Fantastic, especially if you build it in with with a little bit of a story, um, something that's interesting. And if you know the person that you're doing this for, like say you've got enough time to customize it for your players, is if you know something that they already really like, like a favorite movie or an anime or something for your little training one shot, you can base the entire session around, um, you know, that sort of uh, theme, right? You can theme it into something you know that they're going to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Or you hope, anyways, uh, and uh, and that might help to influence their decisions to return to the table. Yep, and, and when you do this, you don't have to do their their final character. You can use pre-gen throwaway characters. Um, you could you could even use a a non-character where you basically just have hit points and and whatever bonus to roll to hit something is and and that's it um again depending upon what you're going to do in the one shot you could have additional additional skills or whatever uh, just depending on how you want to do it i do i do personally like having like a full out full-on character sheet even if it is just pre-gen throwaway because that gets them used to 
where to look for stuff on the character sheet so that when mm-hmm. they get into a real game, they can actually understand what's going on and where to look for something. Yeah, it's better than just getting them lost through the whole thing. Although I find the classless and statless, you know, just, just an HP kind of dude um, can work out really good when you're teaching D&D to people who uh, are not interested in the game except for your interest in it. Like they're mm-hmm. just there to support you, right? right? They're like, well, I guess because you like it, I'll try it. Um, those are the people I've found that are really handy. It's just like, no, you've got 14 hit points. What do you want to do? <laughs> and then you just, just throw the rest away because you're just trying to make it fun so that at the end of that, they go, oh, I see why you like that. Yeah, the the key thing here, I think, is understand why you're doing the training one shot and adjust it accordingly. If it mm-hmm. if it is something somebody that is gung-ho and ready to play whatever RPG you're p- going to play, then I think using the character sheet is helpful. If it's somebody that is less interested, maybe needs to be more, con- more convinced, then the other route. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on, um, one of the other things I like to make sure to do, if you do have experienced players that are at the table, uh, consider giving that new player a, a buddy to help them through with game choices. So maybe they're unsure of what they can do with their character. This buddy can kind of coach them and say, well, have you considered doing this? Or this might be a really good move in this situation. The big, huge caveat here, though, is that you need to have a discussion with that that buddy player to make sure that they understand that this isn't just a way for you to have an ancillary character that is completely under your control. <laughs> you need to you need to make them recommendations, but ultimately, it's that player's choice on what they do. Mm-hmm. I really like the idea about doing the buddy because if if you specifically identify a buddy. And then you have one buddy, mm-hmm. um, then you don't have all three, four, five other players at once. Yes. All of a sudden jump in with their opinions and all this stuff. It's like, nope, you're not their buddy. And their buddy is Tom and Tom and Joe are having a discussion. Yeah. And and you have those two, if you're playing in person, you have those two players sit next to each other and that way... That way the buddy can look over the shoulder at the character sheet and understand what's going on there and be like, oh, hey, look at this. Also, if you haven't taken the time to, to color code the dice, they can point to the right die when you say, hey, roll a D10 or whatever. So mm-hmm. it, there's there's a lot of different uh, different ways that there's there's benefit here. And if you've got that person that is naturally just wants to give advice... <laughs> and and there's there's always somebody at the table. A lot of times it's people that used to be DMs and are playing as a player, maybe for the first time in a long time. <laughs> um, then then that can actually be a great way for them to um, provide targeted advice <laughs> and not derail Tar- the game. Targeted advice. <laughs> How very well spoken. Targeted advice. <laughs> so yeah. so let's talk about getting players into the game. Um, and I, I think that one of the things that that and, and I like to I like to view this as let's say that you've got a table full of new players. They're all new players, and so we don't have the buddy concept. We don't have people giving advice uh, amongst the player base. So one of the things to keep in mind is that complete freedom 
can be really overwhelming. Like, I don't know what to do in this situation. There's 19 different things that I can think of to possibly do, and I have no idea which one of them I should do. So, mm-hmm. so as a DM running a game for these new players, sometimes it, it helps to um, focus them. I wouldn't even say restrict them because if they come up with something different that they want to do, sure, let them do that. But focus them and say, here's a couple of options that you might want to consider doing. Yeah, it works out really good because a lot of times people can be, well, you you can easily become overwhelmed with choice, right? And so if you as the DM, you see your new player and you're like, you guys walk into this room, yada, yada, would you like to, and address them specifically, would you like to attack the guard, steal the dragon's egg, or do you have something else in mind? And so you, you give it that open-ended question so that if they did really want to jump on the table and sumo-plex the guard or whatever, they can do sumo-plex. that. Sumo-plex. <laughs> is, that, is that a real thing? I Listen, have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> um, but if, you, know, they, you give them two options, and then but leave it with an open end so that if they really had something else, that suplex. That's the word I was. Yeah. Anyways, I, I prefer uh, sumoplex. Let's just let the I record also stand. prefer sumoplex. <laughs> uh, yeah. So give them a couple options. Um, you know, I would I would kind of lean away from giving them one really good idea and one really bad idea. You know, it's like, would you like to do A? It'll get you killed, or B? You'll you know <laughs> win the lottery, save the princess. <laughs> uh, you know. I would just give them two kind of like middling, right? You want to keep everything a little bit casual. Let them come up with the creative fun stuff that they want to do with their character. But just give them, you know, a couple avenue ideas. A lot of times when I give people this option, you know, the attack the guard, steal the dragon's egg, they'll be like, how about I attack the guard with the dragon's egg, right? And they'll come up with their own stuff after you give them just a little bit of a prompt. Yeah, and and one thing to keep in mind, especially if they're coming up with their own ideas, if they make a really foolhardy choice, give them some guidance because this is their first time playing a game like this and they're not necessarily going to be thinking of, of cause and effect sometimes. And so you're you're looking at it from the perspective of a DM. You need to make sure that they're enjoying the game and and that they understand that there are cause and effect things and and provide them a little bit of guidance. So um, while you might let a more experienced player just make this foolish choice that that might end their character, a simple like hey, just so you know, um, you're also noticing this and this and this. Uh, which could alter their choice because you're you 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 you're uh, you're looking to jump over this this gorge, but just so you know, as you look down, you see the bodies of about ten other people that it looks like they've tried to jump <laughs> this gorge before. Um, and if they still still say, "Yeah, I'm I'm going to jump it. I think I'm better than those people." Well, you you've given them some <laughs> guidance, um, but but really, I, I think it's it's. It's a matter of providing them something more than just saying, okay, well, let's roll it. Uh, because, again, they're probably not used to the, to a game that has quite the cause and effect as as a role-playing game does. Yeah, most definitely. Like, we, say you're playing Skyrim, right? And you accidentally punch a guard in the face, 
right? Um, all of the city guard is now against you until you squat in a bush. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then that's fine, right? And that's that's probably not going to happen in D&D. It would be a very interesting DM who is like, aw, nuts, he's in a bush now. So I guess none of my characters are going to continue acting. Um, no, they're probably going to be arrested, you know, <laughs> maybe beat up. Who knows? It really depends on the the guard culture there. Uh, but the cause and effect, yeah, it's it's quite a bit different in D&D because you have full range of causes and full range of effects because it's 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 only limited by the player and the DM's imagination. And that can really throw some people off. Where it's like, if they're playing a video game, they're trying to jump that gorge. Uh, you know, you run up to it and you hit this imaginary wall. Oh, it wasn't actually mapped in. I'm not supposed to go over there. <laughs> Versus you can only jump six feet. It's a 20-foot gorge. You fall 100 feet, roll 10d10, and you're dead. Yep. <laughs> roll a new character. Yeah, and, and I mean... Taking this a little bit further, if you get to a point where where a player doesn't know what to do, maybe they're they're trying to solve some sort of puzzle or they're trying to figure out like the next step to take in the story or something like that. What I have found that is sometimes helpful is to just lay out the the facts so far. Hey, you know that this thing has happened and this thing has happened and so-and-so has asked you to do this and this other thing has happened. With all that in mind, what do you want to do here? And and by doing that, you're not necessarily making the decision for them, but you're reminding of them of things that they may not have forgotten. Because again, playing this game, you may not understand that something is important when you saw it because you're not used to something that... that like something gets presented to you and then two sessions later it becomes important. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Like in video games, you could look at something and it just gets automatically added to some note or quest log. And yep. you're like, wait, what's this? Oh yeah, that's that person I talked to. As where, like you said, in D&D, all of a sudden it's like, or any TTRPG, uh, you know, a few weeks later you guys are playing again it's like hey remember that that dude with that donkey that you talked to and he told you that riddle do you remember what it is because you'll need that for this session yep that's not nice (laughs) (laughs) so so um let's maybe talk a little bit about what not to do uh daniel why don't you get us kicked off here I think the most important thing anytime that you're putting any new person into into any tabletop role-playing game is do not overburden them with rules and info dumps. If you if you spend as much time just straight talking about the rules and, you know, the backstory of your world, unless somebody is like has their chin resting in both the palms of their hands and their eyes <laughs> are glittering with fascination as you're talking about the history of your you know, world or whatever, um, then you're saying, you're probably saying too much. Yeah. And to that, um, like we said earlier about phasing in abilities for a character, you can also phase in rules. So you start off with a very basic set of rules and then maybe the next session you say, Hey, we're adding this rule just so you know, and this is what it means. And then Mm -hmm. over the course of a, of a, of a handful of sessions, you, you've probably built up to where you have kind of the full rule set that, that you'll typically use. So, yeah, 
I, also, you don't need to tell everybody all the rules. You don't need to explain how mounted combat yeah. works to somebody who's not going to be on a horse probably ever. Yeah, and, and to that, if you get into a situation like that, you can say, all right, everybody, hold on. Just so that we are all on the same page, this is how the rules for this type of thing work. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. Little bite-sized chunks, easy to digest for everybody. Yep. Um, I, another thing. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say another thing that you don't want to do, which is kind of the same as the rules in the info dumps, is too much paperwork or reading, right? Like character sheets can be pretty cumbersome when when you really get into them, especially with casters, because they can be like 10-page documents. Yep. And uh, I played with somebody once, and their method of introducing a new person to D&D was to hand them the player's handbook, tell them to read it, and then come back. <laughs> You know, so, like, if you're going to hand somebody the player's handbook, then I would say, (laughs) here are a couple of, here are a handful of pages I would recommend you read. And, and those would be like, read through some of the, some of the classes and tell me what kind of sings to you or read through some of the races and tell me what, what's interests you. But the whole book, no, no, (laughs) (laughs) it takes dedication to actually sit down and read all these books. Yeah. There's a lot of information though. And to that, um, I would say, like, we're, we're talking about too much info, too much reading. I would say too much teaching with no playing, I think, is a big thing to not do. First mm-hmm. off, people learn a lot of times by doing. So if you're just telling them these are the rules and this is the rule and this is the rule, chances are they're going to probably absorb 10% of that. And if you instead do like you were talking about earlier, Danielle, have a, have a, a, a training one shot that's going to uh, be absorbed a lot easier than just going through and talking about rule, 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 rule. Um, that's really hard to say a lot of times. In a row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can, it can get so, but when something becomes boring, it's hard to retain the information. Um, I know for me, once something's boring, I'm not listening anymore. Um, and if the entire session ends up being boring, you spend, you know, your entire session teaching and not playing, uh, the game might seem so incredibly boring to them that they might never come back. Speaking of all this teaching, all these rules and stuff like that, there's, there's a lot to know when you're playing any sort of tabletop role-playing game. Um, another mistake that I think that people can make is playing the game too fast. You, when you're sitting there at the table with your entire party and they're taking 10 minutes to decide whether they're going to slap the Duke or run away from the Duke, it might not <laughs> feel like you're playing the game very fast until you have a new player at the table. And, yep. you know, they're trying to figure out which shape is the right shape that they need to roll, right? And uh, everybody else is, is in a hurry to... Uh, I don't know, slap the Duke or whatever. Um, <laughs> You're really into slapping the Duke today. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but you can you can end up playing too fast and not giving enough time and dedication to your new player. Like, they need specific attention, and they do need their space and time to learn. I, and I think what plays into that is if you're using really unfamiliar or complex, especially complex settings and, and bad guys, um in getting them introduced to the game, those two together can really be disastrous for those new players because not only are they trying is are things going too fast, but they're also trying to figure out what the heck is this nineteen eyed thing that 
that talks to me, but also like slobbers on me and uh, who, who knows what else. <laughs> well, that's the thing. When you've got new players, pit them up against an orc or a goblin or something they know. I mean, when you have a whole table of experienced players and you're like, and from the ground rises a Tarask and all of your experienced players, you know, <gasps> but your new players, like, I don't, is that like... Uh, is like that a bad? worm or something. I, I don't know what that is. And so you're going to lose a lot of your edge if you're not using stuff that they're familiar with, um, especially in a complex setting. You know, you just throw somebody in there. It's like, there's no gravity on this planet. Um, that That's just going to complicate everything for them. Yep. And then, and then kind of finally on our list of what not to do is demand commitment. And that's saying like, First game, all right, you're going to have to say that you're going to be here at a weekly game if you're going to play with us, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think that I think that Felicia actually did a really kind of cool thing with her game is that she basically had a, it was almost like a drop-in game every time they played. And they did it on a monthly basis. And if you were able to be there, great. Your character was along for the ride and they got plugged in. But if you weren't, they just weren't there, and and that was fine. And the next time you came back, you were plugged back in, and there was no real commitment. So the 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 attendees to the game uh, were were very flexible, and a lot of them were new players. And so it was really interesting to see because one week you would have you would have eight people coming, and the next week you'd have five, and and those <laughs> those faces were always different. So. I think because she didn't demand any sort of commitment to playing her game, it really did help with uh, with uh, getting new people involved and getting them excited about about coming to play. Yes, it's it's wonderful when when you could do something like that. Um, some people just don't have the time to do a weekly commitment or even a biweekly, monthly commitment. Uh, so opening up your table like that can be a huge boon to people who want to try this stuff but have just never had the scheduling for it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just be prepared to have a recap of what happened at the, at the beginning of every game. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely going to need that, especially if you're following a particular storyline. It's like, by the way, last time everybody decided to slap the Duke instead of run away. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so now you guys get to deal with those consequences. Um, so yeah, you don't want to push anybody into a corner like that. So that's that's a big list of our our what not to do's. Um, but I think we we still I want to end this like on a more positive note on the what to do's. Right? Uh, I think the most important what to do is first and foremost you want them to have fun. You're yeah. bringing them in. They need to have a fun and enjoyable session. And that is the absolute A1 goal. If you do not get a character built, if you do not explain any rules to them, any none of that stuff matters if they don't have fun. Yeah, and I think the important thing to keep in mind here is you were a first-time player at one point. And mm-hmm. obviously you had fun because... You're still playing the game at this point. You're running games at this point. So remember what what it was that got you interested and involved. And and yeah, that's not going to be what everybody is, but it's a good starting place to to remember what really got you excited about the game. And then think about what the player, where they're coming from and what gets them excited about the game. You could even just, I, I would say that's actually a great place to start is ask them, what what makes you interested in playing this game? What what excites you about this? 
and use that to make it a fun and 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 interactive and enjoyable session. Absolutely, hundred percent. All right. Well, I think that's what we want to talk about about running games for our first time players. Um, thanks for joining us again, and uh, and and we're we're excited about uh, having episodes out again. So. I guess we'll see you in another couple of weeks. And until then, stay Stay nerdy, nerdy, friends. Thanks for joining us again. Make sure to share the show with friends to help grow our audience. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash becomingdm. On Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest, we are becomingdm. And our website is becomingdm.com. Becoming DM is produced by John Welsh and Danielle Tremblay. The show is edited by John Welsh. We'll be back in two weeks. See you then.